And we are back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, second time tuning in, third time tuning in, fourth time, I could go through all the numbers. It doesn't matter. Just thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. It means the world to me, the fact that you tuned in here with me at the High Button. If you could do me a quick favor, head on over to our iTunes page the Apple Store, give us a five-star rating, four-star rating, obviously nothing before a four-star here, and a comment as well. Uh, It's little things like that that allow the High Button Podcast to grow in order where we want it to be within the next couple of years. It's little things like that, guys, so I appreciate it. So what's going on? Welcome back. I don't even know what the date is right now. Uh, August 13th, it's a Tuesday. I don't want to say some people might get mad at me here, but summer, you know, I took a walk this morning early, 7 a.m. It was a little chilly out. I'm not going to lie. A little chilly. A little chilly. wasn't summer weather. Let's put it that way. Uh, I had to put a sweater on. So summer's wrapping up here. Try to get the most out of it. You know, try to get to a lake after work. I know you're tired. Five o'clock rolls around. You don't want to do anything but lay in bed and watch Netflix, but try to do a little bit of, you know, get out there, enjoy the weather, because before you know it, you're going to be shoveling the driveway, you're going to be pissed off that you slipped on the sidewalk on some ice, and you hurt your butt, your ass, your butt, whatever, Uh, so try to get out there, enjoy, if you don't fish, you know, maybe, maybe go out there and try to catch a fish for the first time, try to get some experiences in this summer that you haven't before, Uh, that's what I've been trying to do, and I guess it's made all the difference. Uh, one thing that I honestly have enjoyed, I, I enjoy an underdog and the blue Jays right now are the definition of an underdog complete roster that I think the average age is, I think someone said it was like 26 or something, 25, extremely young. Uh, what do I say about this? They're in the game most of the time, but the fight in them, the fight in the blue Jays right now makes it entertaining to watch. I love sitting down and watching a team fight every at-bat. I think it was, uh, who was it the other day? Uh, Guerrero Jr. had a battle with the Yankees pitcher. 13 pitches, I think. Just battling up there. Competing. Trying to prove himself to the Blue Jays organization. To the fans. To the country of Canada. And in my opinion, that's leadership. Leadership to me is on the field, on the ice, on the floor, on the tennis court. If you're able to battle and go that extra step... I think your teammates, your coaches, your managers, your friends, your peers will admire you. And that's what I'm seeing right now in the Blue Jays. So I honestly don't mind sitting down and watching the watching the Blue Jays uh, play, some of the, play some baseball. It's been a good time. Uh, so today on the podcast, I'm very excited about this one. I love, I love goalies. The sport, of, uh, or the, the sport of hockey and the position of a goalie is an interesting one. Most people don't know what goes on in the mind of a goalie they're usually you know a little by themselves whenever the game's going on or before the game they're they're in the hallway doing their ball juggling or they're praying in the corner or they're, they're doing something that nobody really knows about because it's a superstitious position I feel there's no one back there to support you it's you against the puck and against the other guys on the ice so uh, this guy Brad McCharles trains these goalies for a living Empire goalie. So we're going to sit down, we're going to talk to him and see essentially what his strategy is to train these goalies into becoming high performance athletes. And I'm going to pick his brain, see what it takes to to train these goalies in order to make them move on to the next level because it's such a a competitive position due to the fact that on every hockey team, there's only two goalie positions. 
So you do the math. I don't know how many how many teams are in the NHL right now. 30, 32, 32, I think. So 32 uh, times 2 is 64. Top of my head math. Did not use a calculator for that. Uh, and it's limited positions. It's limited positions to become a professional goalie in the NHL. Uh and like I said, this guy, this guy's trying to make it happen for these goalies. So it's going to be a great competition or a great podcast, great conversation. Why did I say great competition? My mind is just, my head is everywhere, people. I'm sorry. Uh, nonetheless, it's going to be a great podcast. Hi, button. You know what comes next. Here we go. All right, let's do it, Brad. Welcome. Thanks for coming to the show, man. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. The fact that you've listened to a couple makes it a little bit easier. I like when people listen and then they come on and they kind of know how everything goes. So I like that. No, yeah, absolutely. Good. Yeah, like I said, the, the format's cool. I dig it. So we're just kind of here to have a chat about hockey, which is what I do for a living. Which is, so it's awesome. It's very comfortable. Um, yeah, yeah. No, just kind of shoot the shit about hockey, which is fantastic. It's what I was saying in the intro. Like I was a player growing up. Goalies. You know, goalies were goalies, but I always thought of a goalie as an individual when it came to the preparation of, of the game. You know, when you're a player, I always found that I'd talk to my line mates, talk on the power play specialist, talk to some coaches, and a goalie was never really part of that discussion. They were always by themselves. They were always training, doing special regimens before a game. And the mind of a goalie really fascinates me. And the fact that you work with these goalies on, uh, for a living that fascinates me. So essentially, I just want to pick your brain and see what you do to to make a goalie go from point A to point B. Because you know, I guess for uh, how how long do these guys train for in the summer? Six, three months, four months? Yeah, de- depending on their level. Yeah, depending on their level. Like for for us, I mean, and a big thing, and a lot's come out like in the media and in social media and stuff like that recently, especially uh, about the younger kids maybe specializing too early. Really? And uh, yeah, no, for sure. Like even like a guy like Sid is a big advocate of kids playing multiple sports and, and taking a little downtime from hockey and things like that. And, but it's tough, right? Because it's that pressure to keep up and the pressure to keep advancing and getting higher levels as you go mm. with that kind of, you know, almost need, especially for the young kids to kind of take some time off. So I'll just throw it at you this way. Like for our, for our minor hockey goalies, I think this year I ran my last session April 14th and then we didn't start oh, up yeah. again with them until the last week of July, mm. like kind of thing. So just kind of for the, for the minor hockey guys. Now the guys that are moving on major junior, you know, getting pro opportunities, those guys, we tend to kind of stay with them year round kind yeah. of thing. Like they'll take weeks or two off here and there, yeah. but they don't like to be too far away and they've got to keep their fitness up and that. But a lot of the springtime for them is their off ice. They'll come back and work with their personal trainers and things yeah. like that. But so for the young guys, as the minor hockey guys go through, we just kind of like them running through practices. And again, not really specializing too, too early. Again, people get really excited about it, especially if the kid's keen. Yeah. But like for my programs, for example, like to go into one of my camps, you have to have completed a year of Adam as a goalie. Why is that? Just just because I just want them to, I don't think there's really a a need for it for them to kind of get, and even like just, just like attention span and just kind of the ability to really bring in a, a six-year-old goal, like, you know, I have a six-year-old yeah. goalie come out and we're like, cause it's very specific. Like to your point, goalies are very kind of position specific. It's highly detailed in a lot of cases. Yeah. So to have really, really young kids, it's kind of tough. Whereas, you know, young players and stuff, you can have them skate the circles. And I just like the goalies to do that anyway. Yeah. Like just go with the team, go with that. So I don't really advocate them having position specific, like kind of goalie instruction, goalie yeah. instruction until they've actually been in it for a little bit, like yeah. had the gear on, just kind of goofed around, dove around, 
around the net, tried to make the big saves, like things like that. Yeah. Before we start, you know, bringing out ropes and pulleys and looking at angles. And I've all seen that some that. weird stuff on the other end. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah wow. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, as you, as you progress, it get it gets more and more important. Like you say. Yeah. So once we once they get up into that peewee band and midget, especially, you know, the the specific stuff. And then to your earlier point about the mental side. That gets really big, really, really important yeah. just because how the pressure mounts and you're dealing with tryouts and things yeah. like that. So, but for the early guys, it's basics, 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 skating, 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 early fundamentals, and then get them into, you know, maybe one camp here and there, yeah. but they don't need to be doing it constantly, constantly. And then as they get older, we got to build into it. But yeah. I still, even to this day, like I advocate kids playing other sports, taking some uh, me time. Too. Yeah. Taking some time away from the rank. So it's cool. Like our guys go out. In the springtime, they'll start their outdoor soccer or maybe baseball or yeah. whatever, and they'll start playing that. And then, like I said, when August really comes around, it's time to start. Okay, hockey season's kind of back in because tryouts start. We know yeah. that the major junior camps are going on. So now, even if the kids aren't playing major junior, it's kind of in the air. Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, hockey season's back. The Mooseheads are starting training camp. Now the kids really want to get back into it, and I want to get back to it. I yeah. get excited. This is a fun time of year. But for me to have an 11-year-old kid out in June – is absolutely pointless like it's so yeah. far after the season it's so far before the season for me to teach them something unless i'm seeing them again right away they're gonna forget it anyway yeah so to have a camp at the end of june or the start of july or forget about it like really go do something else go you know even you can go in the gym or whatever if you're a little bit older but yeah. you know whatever take some time off for sure so the mental side of it like when you're a young kid i was saying on the intro you know there's only two spots uh, on a team for a goalie especially when you're younger it must be tough to get that cut uh you know like you said adam peewee bantam whatever it could be Do you ever talk to kids about that uh, about how that's not the end of the world and how you can move on afterwards 100 percent. yeah yeah absolutely there, there's no question we, we've seen tons of cases where you know kids are kind of in that um, that A or B stream yeah. and then eventually just kind of, you know, pull through and end up making the making it out, whether they're a late bloomer or whatever. And things yeah. are weird in tryouts, man. Like tryouts are really weird. I and hate to tryouts. Oh. Try <laughs> I hate to tryouts. Tryouts are nuts. And tryouts are really tough for goalies, but like, because you have a limited amount of time. A ton of goalies, like to your point, there's only two. Like, so you could have, you know, 10, 12 kids trying out for two slots, whereas forwards... I mean, you've got nine, yeah. you know, like, you know, you can, you can slot guys in here and there and the other way. And the funny thing is like when you do tryouts, they tend to go into scrimmages early. They tend to go into games early and things like that. And those are a crapshoot. Goalies uh, don't, but do goalies like the scrimmages though? They don't like that. I they, thought they would cause they can prove a point. They can well, prove their worth. Well, that's, that's a great segue because here we go. Right. So now all of a sudden this, this Pee Wee AAA team has two goalie spots open and we're into some scrimmages now, and who knows, depending on where other teams are with their tryouts or just how balanced that particular thing is, I'll go to a tryout, let's say, for a Wee AAA thing, and we'll have, you know, three goalies on each team, each play in a period, and, you know, two goals are scored the entire game. So four goalies had shutouts, and two guys let in okay, one, okay. but one yeah. was a rebound playing in, so now you're like, holy cow, and now that's where parents and goalies start freaking out. There's like, oh, my kid, you know, he had two shutouts yeah. and he didn't make the team. What's going <laughs> on, right? So then it really starts because there's only so many spots, right? And we have these good guys. So then you start really having to getting into the details of it. But the mental side of it, just kind of those highs and lows, we're finding that the goalies experience those really early. And, of course, pressure from mom and dad or peers or things like that. Especially right? at the young age. Especially I remember politics age, right? and hockey where, especially as a player, it was bad. I couldn't imagine being the politics of a goalie parent knowing that there's only two positions. And the, the margin for error is, you don't know, maybe a little kick save that took a bad rebound. So the guy scored and now you get cut down to double A. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's a, and and again, you know, that kind of process will never be perfect. Like that will never. That's just be. life. It is just. You life. can't fix it, it. It really is. You can't fix it. Like even like me, I'm not gonna be perfect every single time. Like yeah. I'm gonna miss a guy. Like you know, man, I thought that was the guy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it turned out like whether he was just in the right frame of mind for those few tryouts and was just in the zone, and then after that, things went wrong for him, or he had something happen. He kind of, Brad, why'd you say that guy was? I'm like, man, well, I'm looking at kind of the data and what my eyes are telling me. And I thought that was the guy, but you're never going to be perfect on that stuff. And, and so for me, I try to stay away from it a lot, like the a politics. Lot. Well, yeah. And just kind of, yeah, that's right. The politics of evaluation. Cause I don't want people coming in saying that guy only made the team because Brad was here doing the thing and he spends money at his camp. Well, that's what I was going to say. That was Absolutely. my next question. Like yeah, do yeah. parents and coaches and all these people call you and say what, they must, because if you're that guy from around here, you people must be calling you left, right, and center. They do, they do, and that is that and frustrating. And that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's very challenging for me, for sure, because at the same time, I know what what certain kids are capable of, and you know, sometimes they just don't put their best foot forward. I say, you know what, like if they had a few eyes on them, like whether it was the head coach and the assistant coaches of the team, and maybe they had an independent goalie evaluator doing their thing, yeah. and for whatever reason, they just didn't like what was going on. I mean, that happens, right? So because again. For the goalies and stuff, and even players too, I'd imagine, like, stats are going to be tough in a short assessment. Like, in a short assessment like that, stats are going to be very, very tough, like you say. Because you could have a player just pull one out of his rear end some night and get a hat trick. Yeah. Is he going to make the team? No, that may have just been a one-off. So, like you say, you have a kid who has a couple of great days and tryouts as a goalie. Man, he can kind of put some people out. Or if a kid just doesn't have it that day or two, and then he drops. So, again, it's kind of like these kids that are streamed – for example, that have played Adam AA two years and played Pee Wee AAA their first year. Yeah. Now, if that kid goes out, you never know what could have happened. You never know what could have been the reasoning. Could have just been a weird couple breaks. Yeah. Now you're returning Pee Wee AAA goalie in your scrimmages. Well, man, that guy did give up four or five goals, and a couple other guys that are moving up from Adam or maybe AA, they really rock starred. So how do we kind of do this? Very few associations mm. are going to drop down guys or, or move move kids from a lower spot. Once you kind of get your spot in the first year, you're, there. you're kind of set. So is that the way to do it for players or goalies? Do you get kind of these, these two-year contract kind of things when you make it as a first year? And it's really come up for me. It really came up for me recently, like in the midget league especially. The midget league is getting Major really, midget? Major midget yeah. is really kind of tricky. Because the third year, we have so many good goalies, especially Nova Scotia. Do like, we? No, our Nova Scotian goalie, we're, we're phenomenal. Like, we're phenomenal. Love like, when I, was, when I was coaching in Sherbrooke two years ago, for example, okay, when I was coaching in Sherbrooke for, uh, two years ago, we had, and I mean, these are just like, <clears throat> I just kind of tracked the goalies that kind of came through with me, let's say. So, goalies that were kind of empire goalies playing in, in, the, in the queue two years ago when I was in Sherbrooke. Mm -hmm. My goalies played in 50% of the games that were played in the Quebec Major Junior League, right? That's just guys that came in with me. So then we had some other Nova Scotian guys that didn't really come up with me who were also played in games. So really more than 50% of the games, yeah. Nova Scotian goalies played in the Quebec Major Junior League. So our goalies... That's saying something. I don't know what really, it's saying, it but it's is saying something. something. Like it really, really is. And our development in this province over the last few years has been outstanding. It's a huge part of why I started the high button. I was just like, people are talking about it, but no one's talking to the talent. Yeah, yeah. No. like, someone's got to do this. Absolutely, right? So, yeah, and you've had a bunch of the guys on. Like bunch. guys like Matty Welsh and Fitzy and, and you know, these kind of guys, right? Who are who are in the queue and playing just not just in the league but dominant guys in the league making making damage in the league. That's right. So like you know for example like um, for the um, the Canada Russia series, 
Yeah. The last four years, a Nova Scotian goalie's been in that game. Can you name the four? Yeah, absolutely. So it was Mason McDonald. Yeah. Right. And then Fitzy went twice. Okay. So Fitzy had back-to-back years, and, and then, then Welsh well, last year. Okay. And then this year, it'll probably be Colton Ellis. Sick. From Ramuski. From yeah, Ramuski, yeah, who's yeah. from Cape Breton. Cape again, Breton. trains with us. Same kind of thing. So there you go. So you're talking about a province that has, like, what, an eighth of the population of Quebec. Like, Quebec's around 8 million, something like that. Nova yeah. Scotia's right around a million. So eight times. But we're talking on the spot here. We're in these games. We're, we're playing these minutes. We're leading the chair, all these kind of things. So the goaltending in Nova Scotia, like, over the past few years has just been out of this world so then what is it is it something in the water is it you well yeah we're training them hard like i mean we are training them hard what's the form what's the formula absolutely and i certainly like to take some of the credit like you know what i mean because we do it when we when we do these programs like you say when we compare it especially like when we look around the atlantic provinces um so for example like we've had like i've had empire goaltending over the last six drafts i believe we've had 19 goalies selected what draft like the Q draft. Q draft, sorry. Yeah, yeah so yeah, the Q yeah, draft. So yeah. 19 goalies selected over the last six. Um, and wow. for the rest, of, like Atlanta Canada overall, I think is at 43. So we're right around 50%. Wow. Okay, so of the Atlanta Canadian goalies drafted come through our program, boom. Now the goalies taken in the first five rounds, we've had 10. The rest of Atlanta Canada's had three combined, right? So we're talking about over triple that amount. And so the first five rounds are the rounds where you're really going to see the guys play and kind of excel and move on. And it's the same thing with the NHL draft. Over the last six or whatever, we've had three guys go. All three, Mason McDonald in the second round, Evan Fitzpatrick in the second round, Colton Ellis in the third round. Again, up in those high-level rounds, guys competing for Team Canada spots, yeah. right? So um, Jacob Gooby's a guy that just got invited to U17. Um, if he's a guy that, again, gets through there and actually gets to play for, for Canada, the, so now we're talking about guys that have played. We're talking about Mason McDonald, who played U18 at the Ivan Halenka and the World Championships and was the top goalie at the World Championships. Only two Canadian goalies ever, I think, have won that award. I think Mm. it's him and Jake Allen, who's another Maritimer, by the way. Um, And then played U20 at the World Juniors. So that's three times the guys represented Team Canada, right? And then Evan Fitzpatrick, I mean, played for U17 for Team Canada. So did Riley Pickard that year. And Evans also played at the U18 World uh, Under World Championships too, right? Matty Welsh won gold medal, U17, right? He's also been at those showcases. Colton Ellis played. U18, all that. So we're seeing guys that aren't just getting into the league, but are actually being like these dominant goalies, yeah. right? So there's something going on for sure. Uh, we're putting a lot of guys, a lot of guys through there, and the program's really kind of taking off, and we're super, super proud of it. But to get back to our original point, there's almost too many. And then we talk about goalies being able to find spots. And it's almost like, man, when these guys are in there, like in their midget level, yeah. we had a lot of guys come in this year that I would have liked to seen at that 03 age play in major midget. Mm. But we still had so many goalies that were 2001 born, 2002 born that were still in the league. There wasn't really a lot of spots for guys. So like Jacob Gooby got in there at the max, which was really good. Got to go in, went on a hell of a run. Met him this year. Great got guy. Him, yeah. Went got to Thunder Bay seen, with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got himself seen and got taken in that, in that second round by Charlottetown. Yeah. And again, you know, the highest Atlanta Canadian goalie taken ever since Evan Fitzpatrick back in 2014. And Evan was taking the first round fourth overall, but Gooby was taking the second round 31st overall. So there hasn't been an Atlanta Canadian draft that high in the yeah. last five years since him. So he's done a great job. Is Gooby just being a Welsh around uh, a sponge around Welsh right now? Is he just following his every move? A sponge around everybody. And is that kind of t- leads back to it too, because you know, there is something to be said for guys kind of going with that program and being around the same guys. Mm. 
you know, what we're kind of seeing is a little bit of fracturing in the coaching community. So everyone's trying to do it. Everyone's trying to make their own camps. Everybody has their own connections. I've noticed. So we start spreading these guys out. And so they're not seen as much. So when we talk about like when, when the big, you know, Canadian goalie crisis happened back a few years ago and, uh, but it wasn't really a crisis. It was just kind of overblown. <laughs> and, um, but it was about talking about places like Finland that had smaller populations and it could bring everybody together. So yeah. it was a little bit easier to train them. And so we found that as well. Like when we were coming up and kind of at the peak of that minor hockey development, like the group I spoke to you about just a second ago, um, that two years ago where we had, we were playing over 50%. And at that point in time, I was working with seven of the major Bantam teams, seven of them. Yeah. Man, that doesn't spread you thin. Yeah, like so, your no, your, I mean, your knowledge and, just and, must be, and that's the kind of thing. But then those guys again would all be coming to my camps, all that kind of thing. Yeah, so they'd all be together a lot, mm. and so kind of all getting the same information, relaying it to each other, seeing each other do it, how they do it, and I think that makes a big difference because in that group, like I said, working with all those guys, you know, them all being together and doing the same kind of things, there is something to be said for that. You know, a hundred percent. Has the has the goalie position changed in the past ten years from the game, <sighs> then till now? Because I remember when Sid used to ca uh, came in the league. The game has, I think, the game uh, has changed ever since uh, the World Championship tournament when Austin Matthews was there in Toronto when they did like the Youngins Canada Finland. Remember that? Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a great definition of almost a pivot in hockey where it became quicker. You could you don't have to be a big guy to get around. You could be small. And move around with the puck. But did that change at all for a goalie position? Because I don't look at that. I just think a goalie position is the exact same forever. So, so, so I guess my question is, where has it changed from 10 years ago to now? Yeah, well, I mean, you hit it. Like, you hit it just by mentioning the speed. Like, the speed of it is kind of, it's really been a, a funny kind of yeah. evolution, right, for more like, you know, the stand-up. Hey, why isn't the goalie standing up? Well, there's a little bit more to it than that, to where in the 90s and kind of the early 2000s, things like that were kind of really just kind of butterfly, 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 just because yeah. of the percentages and the technology of the, of the sticks and stuff. They've, that's changed, technology oh, and the sticks for goalie? Oh, my goodness, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Like, I mean, back, when, like, I mean, back like to your point, like 10, 10 years ago or so, you couldn't see guys hit the top of the net with the release and the speed and the accuracy that they can oh, now so and do quick. it off of one foot and do it in these kind of weird situations. They needed a lot more time to load and kind of like that. So, and just those, the little plays, like it's really funny to the kids. Like when I played and the guys would do the three on O drill at the end of practice and fucking tic-tac-toe <laughs> and you'd be like, you motherfuckers, that'll never happen in a game. You forget there's defense, blah, 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 blah. But now even with defensemen out there, those plays still happen in games. The players are so smart. They're, they train so hard. They're so used to passing through obstacles, things like that. They can move those pucks. So if you're down in the butterfly too long and you just can't make that push over, you're dead. So it's kind of been like this kind of like reverse evolution back to where we're spending a lot more time on our skates now. Or really? at least we're trying to. Yeah. yeah, like we're trying to because just the speed of the shots – and their ability to, to access the top part of the net, if you're just starting from a down position, there's just no way you're going to be able to get and cover that top of the net. So even if you're in a standing position using the butterfly, the yeah. fact that you at least started from a standing position and just held that position a little bit longer, the, the shot's going to impact you, whether it's in your shoulder or your hands or whatever, before your knees even hit the ice. 
So even though it'll technically be a butterfly save, the impact point was probably when your knees were above the ice. Okay. And then you save it and then you finish. So just that ability to hold your edges a little bit longer to defend the top part of the net is a huge thing in today's game. It's absolutely huge. And like I said, these guys that'll fake, that'll double pump, they're so patient, the shooters. If you're down before the puck is released, it's over. It's just over. The guy will pick the top corner or he'll move it or he'll cut. He'll just deke you or whatever. So goalies now, patience is kind of this big, the big buzzword. Kind How of do you teach pace? How do you teach patience? It's just through, it's, it's through kind of good eyes on the puck, just good quiet eye time on the puck because a lot of guys that just get too sold on body language. That's right? my quote. You're not watching the feet. You're watching that's the puck. That's right. Exactly. Because if a guy's pump fake and you're looking thing. at Yeah. And you'll see a lot of the stuff now training and you'll hear from goalie coaches like tracking down and getting their head down and that's it because the release points from the ice level. And yeah. so getting on that puck as quick as possible is key and not getting fooled by that body language of what you see up here, but actually staying on the puck as it's released just slightly off the stick. So the longer you can hold your eyes on that puck as it just comes off of the stick, yeah. the better off you're going to be. It's almost like a pitcher when they're throwing a baseball. If you keep your, exactly yeah. right. It's all that kind of hand-eye coordination and tracking, cool. but the pitching and the baseball is a great analogy. That's it. The longer you can hold there, the more you can paint that picture in your mind of that trajectory of the puck and where it's going. And then it just allows the, your head to just kind of move slightly, which expands your peripheral vision to a better spot. And then you just see the puck more clearly because it's almost a puck, like you know how fast yeah. the puck goes, especially like I say now yeah. with the technology, the sticks, and how these guys fire the puck. You're not, you just physically can't. Like mm. you, you only have this amount of time to track a puck. So the key part to track it is at that starting point. Okay. As it's just coming off of that stick, as is that now you can kind of pick up the trajectory, paint it in your mind's eye of how it's going to fly. And then as your peripheral vision expands, you get a much better vision of that puck coming in. But that's a huge thing. So it's kind of like patience, but the big part is just being on that puck, tracking the cool. puck better. That's been a huge, huge kind of uh, change in goaltending over the last five years, like that emphasis in it, not yeah. necessarily a change, yeah. but the emphasis. And that's really a big thing too, is what we emphasize. And I find that's a big thing about goaltending and goaltending coaches, and maybe why our program has been a little more successful than, say, competitors, yeah. is I think that you can go online and look at things and say, wow, this NHL goalie coach, does this drill i'm going to do that drill but it's how long do they do that drill how much do they emphasize that particular drill that particular skill it's what you emphasize and especially at the levels what do you emphasize with adam goalies with peewee with bantam with midget mm. and so for me i spend a ton of time watching bantam games watching midget games watching q games because those are the games my kids really want to get to and the level i want to try to get them to because mm -hmm. that's kind of our goal so helping kids progress into the major bantam into the major midget into the into the uh, major junior and that's kind of my tagline if you follow me on social media every clip i do i always put from minor to major because that's yeah kind i was of gonna ask goal. you about yeah that. it's okay. from minor hockey to major junior right to major junior. and cool. then once i figure once you get into that spot because again that's when the training gets more fractured again so my influence once they get up into that level drops a bit just because when they're at that age now they've got their major junior goalie coach in their ear they've got their agent has a goalie coach that they send them to camps and things like that that guy's in their ear 
They may get go to a Hockey Canada camp. Now those goalie coaches are in their ear. They may get drafted to an NHL team. Now that goalie coach is in their ear. And again, we're all going to emphasize different things. We're all going to think that this is super important. We're all going to think this is super important. And I think kind of knowing what to emphasize at a particular age or for a particular goalie is the real key. It's not kind of knowing, oh, okay, I just have to practice their, their hand-eye coordination. But... How do you do that? How long do you do it? What are the best drills to do that? How long do I spend on it? Those kind of things are the real difference, right? Yeah. And so like you said, back to the, the thing about the vision, that's been kind of across the board and holding the edges, like getting goalies to kind of be more patient on their feet, not dropping down too early. And then that early attachment on the puck, like that kind of getting it the most time possible with the puck on the player's stick. Mm. So you can actually see it, leave that release, get your eyes on it there. And that, because the longer you wait for that, the more trouble you're in. And it's funny because I'll get in these big arguments with goalies because they'll say like, you know, because as this, as this area, if you can just see my finger, I can see this puck. Yeah. So right now, right. You would say to me, Brad, you're not watching the puck. And I'm like, fuck you, Justin, I'm watching the puck. I see where it is right yeah. now. Right. But then when we get here, as it starts exiting my peripheral vision, yeah. that's when we see that goalie start to chase it and the head comes around. So as the puck goes in the net, they're like, what are you talking about? My, I turned my head. I was watching the puck. You're yeah. a freaking asshole. You don't know what you're doing, yeah. right? And I'm like, no, no, no. Wait a second, right? So, so we wait, have wait, to you, see Do you want early. the goalie to turn the head? Or Absolutely. You... But it just has to happen early. Also, right? oh, when it, you got to turn the head when the puck's... That's... Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay, okay. back to our earlier point is the puck's leaving the stick. Yeah. That's when we have to see that early kind of activation. Okay, sorry. Head. Okay, I So we kind of see it coming there. So the fact that it co if it comes late, it's too late. So that's how you know as a goalie coach exactly. whether he saw it or not. You exactly. To the, head, the turn of the head. Yeah. And so, something for, every day. and so for me during evaluations, that's one of the things we get picked up on. So when those two goalies get the shutout and I'm talking to the coaches and I'm talking to the other evaluators, I'm saying, okay... So one guy, we're pretty sure, was locking in and making saves. The other guy was just kind of getting hit with the puck, right? Like he, yeah. so again, like he got like, lucky. Yes, yeah. like yeah, for lack of a better word, he got lucky, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Now maybe he had really good positioning, right? He was challenging well, put himself in a good spot, but they say probably got hit with the puck. And the other thing is, the tricky part is, is that so many shots in in hockey are easy. Are right? they? Yes, they are. That's and that, I'll, I'll give you a great example. A couple of years ago, I don't know if it was this year or if it was two years ago, the Scott Foster guy, the emergency goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks. Great story. I, I hope they make a movie about that. Unbelievable, oh, right? Awesome. Unbelievable. My yeah. man went in there 14 minutes in an NHL game, beer leaguer. I think he's like an accountant <laughs> or something like that. That's a this is a great this is a great analogy. Yeah, this yeah. Good. Seven for seven. Shout out. Just the guy working a nine to five. Seven job. saves. The guy. Seven saves. Right? Like, I mean, now if we broke him down on the video, me and some NHL goalie coach would be like, oh shit, that was ugly. <laughs> oh God, what was he doing there? But the pucks, like I said, most of the shots aren't gonna go in anyway. Like the I guess worst so. worst goalies in the NHL, right? I mean, an eight hundred save percentage is absolute garbage, right? Yeah. So that's out of friggin' ten shots, you're still saving eight of them. Just by being a body out there, really. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I said, this Scott Foster, I think he played university, like being a pretty good goalie. Yeah. But you're talking about putting him in an NHL game. But the dude still goes seven for seven, right? Yeah. So the difference makers are those little things, like I said. So that extra athletic, the things are going to help you make the big save at those high levels, things like that. But like I said, it's nothing for a goalie to go out there and have a decent statistical kind of evening without really doing a whole lot right. 
You know what I mean? And that's the kind of difference. Like to get to the high, high level to be that guy. Yeah. The, the amount of time you have to put into the little details and those kind of are, are huge because that kind of difference is unbelievable. Now, you imagine a beer league player, a forward playing an NHL game. Nope. How would that go? Not well. Absolutely embarrassing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't, that guy would probably touch the puck. Maybe one might, but I was out there with Crosby and those guys skating around. I want to talk there's, about that. There's no weird way of beer league or skating yeah. up in any way, shape, or form. But like I said, you know, a goalie with some reasonable skill or they can go out there and not look like a total buffoon, right? Especially in a game. I think a practice a is a different Ex- scenario, but exactly. a practice when there's 10 guys on the ice, it's harder to get a shot off. I agree with that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So um, when we're talking about those, those details and the difference between making a save and getting hit with a puck. And it usually comes down to kind of that puck tracking and how much that guy was actually on it. It was like, okay, there was no question about that. No matter where that shot was placed or whatever, that guy was going to make that save and probably control the rebound or at least put it in a good spot where the other guy, you know, not really tracking the puck properly is just getting hit with the puck because he's there. Yeah. Yeah. He got a shutout. Okay. So did the other guy got a shutout or he, how about this? The other guy might even let in two goals. Because, yeah. again, the chances were just better. It was a rebound. It went off somebody's rear end. And that's the, that's the kind of tough ones because then, like, especially if I don't see it and people come and they call me and be, oh, my God, he got cut. He had the best numbers at camp. They I'm call like, you when they get cut? 100%. Oh, it's unreal. That's it's life, un- people. Don't call Brad. Fucking yeah, yeah. suck it up and make the team. Yeah, no. Come and, that's, on. and you just got to say that, right? Like, you just got, hey, man, we, we did everything we could. It didn't work out. Maybe he didn't put his best foot forward or she didn't put her best foot forward. Um, and, you know, that's just the way it goes, right? Because kids are upset. And, they may, and like you said, the, the mental so. thing and being able to bounce back from that getting cut because it's a part of life. It's a fact of life. I cried a couple times when I got cut, so I can't complain about anything anyone else complaining. Yeah, yeah. It's and fine. it's good. I mean, dealing with adversity is good. And it I mean, is. It's hard to explain that sometimes to a 9- or 10-year-old kid or, or whatever like that or a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, yeah. like whatever. But when their parents call you, that kind of ruffles my feathers a bit. Like, it's, yeah, actually, you know, it's yeah. the kid. It's you know, not yeah, you. Yeah, you try, you try to kind of um, instill that kind of responsibility. And, and, and even there like yeah just kind of say hey man like what do you think like what is the number one thing i got to work on and and really kind of take ownership of it and and be accountable for it i think that's the big thing and and, you know if that's the the true test if if a kid's coachable or if he's accountable if you could point out a mistake to a kid he's got a chance if he can't if there's excuses coming out every time well that's my next question how much fun is it to coach someone that wants to be better compared to someone that's there because they have to be there because of their dad. Yeah. Well, you know, how much, what's yeah, yeah. the difference? And it's, and it's probably the number one reason I'm in the career because I started out as a high school teacher. Oh, did you, what, what the subject? Yeah. So I, like I, I took an arts degree. I was an English social studies oh, yeah. teacher, that kind of thing. So what happened was I was kind of, I was teaching high school. I had taught um, over Prince Andrew and I was just getting a job at Citadel when it first opened. Oh yeah. So that was the year. The year Citadel opened is when I became a full-time goalie coach. Were the Moosehead guys at Prince Andrew when you were there? Uh, they were. Yeah, yeah that's what, right. What guys were there when you were there? Jeez, I forget, man. Holy smokes. When was that? That was back in like 06. 06. Is that like 07? Uh, Bonnerchuck days? I don't know. Because the thing was, when I was teaching there, I didn't have anything in my class. No, well, I thought they were always in a separate class. They were always yeah, in like a, a room so, yeah, together. Yeah, so that's a great point. I'm not. I don't think so. I think they were kind of in the regular. In the regular. check might have been there. Yeah, not, that's a great point. I don't know. I'd have to know. kind of go back and check the. Uh, Check the thing. Anyways, I cut you off. Go back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, that was the thing. Like, I was kind of at the – I was doing coaching on the side. 
but I, my day job was I was a teacher, right? So yeah. I was, I was kind of doing teacher, but then more and more people had started calling me because they knew I just finished, you know, playing university or whatever a few years ago. And I'd always worked goalie schools and kind of, and helped out with different goalie schools. So guys knew what I was doing. And so they would call me up and say, Brad, would you come out? And so, yeah, of course, because I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And so it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then with, with teaching and coaching, I mean, teaching, man, like friggin' those guys, like there's so many hours, like with correcting papers and lesson plans, the hours are insane. Right. <laughs> and so there just wasn't enough time. Yeah. But that was the thing, like to your point, the number one thing a teacher wants is a captive audience. It's the number one thing. And so when I was a high school teacher, I figured it was probably a 90, 10 rule. I had 10% of the kids <laughs> that wanted to be there and it was awesome. Like, doing school yeah. with them it was so much fun 90 percent. whoa baby. you're a babysitter on maybe that it was time. 20 to yeah. 80 i don't know now as a coach it's the reverse that's awesome so you do get 10 percent. you know the dad or the mom wants them to go there the kid's kind of like man i'd rather be you know playing a video game or doing something but 90 percent of them they want to be in the nhl or oh, they want to play for the mooseheads at least or even they want to play for their high school team but they have some kind of a goal how much right? fun is that? It's unreal. Like I said, like if you have a captive audience, if you have a guy or girl that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this one. Okay. This is yeah. what I want to like to get to like, they, cause they have goals. Like yeah. I said, it could just be to make the Adam double a team, yeah. but very few kids are in school going, Oh yeah. I want to like some are cause they want to go on a university and stuff like that. But it's like, Oh yeah. When we start this man, I just really want to get an A on this poetry unit. Like very few kids have that goal kind of thing. So yeah. even if it's a little goal, like, like something like, I just want to move out of host league and play Adam B this year. That's a goal. Exactly. So they want to get better. So yeah. they're a captive audience for you. Yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's everything. So obviously ever since I've been doing this going on 10 years now, yeah. It, there's really like you have those some days bad days with the 10 percent or with the goalie that gets caught or yeah. whatever like that you have to have that but the good times far outweigh the bad times. well good times. It's, it's all good times it barely feels like work ever i'm here talking dude this is what i do all day <laughs> i sit here and i talk to people about goaltending that's what i do whether or not i might talk to a parent about goaltending i might talk to a kid about goaltending a q scout an nhl scout unbelievable man like it was funny like when i when i coached in sherbrooke a couple years ago like i'm sitting at like the owner and gm's jocelyn tebow like a guy that's my age goalie first round nhl guy i shot the shit about goaltending with him all that it was like fuck i was yeah. like Jocelyn. it turns into a kid again you right you're here like, like yeah. you believe this is our job like yeah. i'm sitting here talking to you <laughs> like it was just incredible man it was just so much fun and uh and the, yeah so i just can't get over that so it's just yeah it's great being able to talk goaltending so when you're talking about teaching captive audience kids that want to get better even if it's just mm. to you know to make millwood high or to, yeah. to whatever they have a goal coming in they're like i want to make this team i want to win this championship yeah. it's awesome i also want to talk about uh the difference between an ahl goalie and an nhl goalie i know the the average age of an nhl goalie starting out is what is it 22 23 24 probably oh, 25 maybe what is it like in the it's starting like like pro go, level, you mean? Yeah, like players will make some players start at 18, but you'll never see an 18 year old NHL goalie. Not they, anymore. You know, not like, I think Flurry may have been, was he the first guy? I, like I thought come, he was 19, honestly. Maybe yeah, but, like he played after his draft year, is what I'm saying. Did he? Like, okay, yeah, well, then yeah, maybe yeah. I'm wrong there. Yeah. But now. Oh, maybe he didn't. Maybe he went back to Cape Breton for one more year. Yeah, maybe he did. Did he play? He didn't play in the A? I thought he played in the A a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, we'll look it up. What do you think the difference is between an AHL goalie and an NHL goalie? Because you're saying that, you know, you know, guys that are able to make this level, they're able to see the puck when the puck comes off the stick. Mm -hmm. Guys are able to turn their head and catch the puck when they need to. 
I just want to know what the difference is because we've had friends on the show. We've had, uh, we had Fukali on and like Fukali, it's like, that's a guy, he's a good friend of mine. I want him to be in the show. And there's just so many questions I have regarding the difference between here and the NHL. What do you think it is? Is, is it a mental thing? Is it a consistency thing? Is it a not enough room? Is it a, you got to be a good agent to get your goalie in the right position? Cause you know, you're not going to make Montreal right now with price there, but if you go to maybe Nashville or not Nashville, but yeah. Winnipeg, you'll go. What do you think it, it comes down to? Yeah. Well, I, th- I mean, I think you hit it on the head when you said mental. And I think there's a lot of factors there. Yeah. I think we can kind of like IQ is a big part of it. Yeah. And again, to, to your earlier point, when you were talking about just the change in the game in the last 10 years, yeah. the speed of the game, being able to read plays is huge now because you have to anticipate. And I'm doing a ton of that now with it. Like that was a big part of, of my discussion with, um, with Fitzy and Mason and chase yesterday What just oh, with the pro guys is being able to kind of read situations and being able to play percentages based on where guys are, what hands stick they are, where their option is. So being able to process that information quickly is very, very important because the play moves too fast to simply react to each thing that happens. Right. So you have you're to be just, a step ahead. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Like in a matter of speaking, right. You're obviously not going to cheat, but in that kind of mental game, yes, that's right. So kind of IQ, and you kind of bring that like the the mental game. It just kind of that patience kind of brings into it, and then just that ability, that the overall kind of composure of it, like bad games affecting you, or just kind of you know the negative ups and downs and things like that. How bad goals get to you, and like so from a technical perspective, like do you know what I mean? There's not much of a difference like AHL and NHL goalies. Really? Like there's AHL guys that are fast as all get out, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like super fast, super strong, great technically, have trained their whole lives, things like that. But they may crumble under pressure, right? They may be prone to soft goals. Like those kind of things will kind of hold them back, right? Do you know what I mean? So they may have all these other tools, all the physical tangibles, but those things got to get to them. Because I think most guys see is the physical stuff we can kind of work with. Like there are limits to that. Yeah. But I think we kind of believe that, you know, we can get guys strong. We can get, as long as we feel that their character's there, that their work ethic's there, we can get guys stronger, a little faster, change one thing here, maybe in their knee or their shoulder position to improve their posture, to give them a little extra, a little extra speed, balance, those kind of things. Those things we can kind of really like work with and teach guys, mm. but um, that mental aspect is huge. And like I said, that kind of innate ability to 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 read the play, because yeah. you just can't go through it and start like like you just have to be able to do it. You have yeah. to see it, boom! So it gives you that extra little half second push yeah. before the play happens. So you're starting that move a little bit earlier. You're reading that pass. So you're on that puck. You see where the guy is, how far out he is. So you're making the right choice whether or not to stay in your feet or go down into a butterfly. Let's say so that. The hockey IQ side, and I think that's a lot to do with the players too, right? Well, that was my next question. Like, because the players, yeah. they say it's usually IQ that sets guys apart. Because a lot of guys are fast, a lot of guys can shoot, but can guys think the game, especially at that speed? Well, you were saying that you're on the ice with Crosby and McKinnon and Marshawn, all those boys. Credit to you. That's a great slab of ice to be on right now. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the entire world wants to be playing right now right there so my question was do you ever talk to Sid see you know talk to McKinnon and Marshall and see what they're seeing when they're coming down you know let's say Fitzpatrick was down a little bit too early and Sid saw top right do you ever talk to the players and be like what are you seeing from my guys anything like that well I say I haven't yes no. <laughs> maybe you will now just because like you know what I mean so just because I don't want to interfere with their, their whole fair. mojo and I just kind of want to as I'm just kind of starting out and kind of and doing this sort of thing with with these kind of guys 
is, um, and I've done the same thing at, at every high level kind of thing I've been a part of, whether it's um, like I'm, I'm coaching with St. Mary's now. I coached with X for a few years and I've coached like in major junior, like in Sherbrooke and with the Mooseheads before. Yeah. And so when I first get out with those guys, I'm not right on top of them right away. Like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you want to see how guys are and how comfortable Feel they are. It out. But once I'm comfortable with people, you absolutely look for stuff like that. Absolutely. Now, a lot of the times I can see it, but I just like to talk to the guys to what they look for. Do you look for a specific thing in a goalie? Like, what do you really kind of see? Do you look at kind of maybe the way his shoulders go or, or these kind of things or where he's holding his glove? Do you find if a goalie holds his glove a certain way, you see more in that this way? I s absolutely you want to talk to guys like that. A hundred percent. Especially the best players in the world. A hundred percent. And I found a lot of guys, like the guys that... Um, one of the guys that I really got along with really well in my, in my last Q stint in Sherbrooke was Sam Poulin, who okay. was the second pick behind Alexis Lafreniere in the Q draft that year. Okay. Sherbrooke picked him second overall to Lafreniere. He just went in the first round to Pittsburgh. So he's Did he? with Sid and those guys, right? Jeez. But Sam and I, like, we really talked a lot up in Sherbrooke because he was a guy that kind of wanted to know it. Again, an offensive guy, player like that. He was always kind of looking for advantages on goalies and things like that. Yeah. So you'll find they kind of seek you out too if, they, if they're looking for something. Yeah. Not just on a specific goalie a lot of the time because that's really kind of a, a crapshoot. It's pretty rare, like especially like in the NHL, where you're going to say, oh, yeah, shoot glove on this guy. <laughs> like, I mean, you're like, you know, like, they're all mean? so good everywhere. Yeah. Like, if they weren't, they wouldn't be in the NHL. So yeah. that's what I was talking about earlier, like the technical aspects and things like that yeah. the big thing about technique as long as you're not giving up greasy five hole goals and armpit goals most guys in the a are technically like you know pretty pretty comparable to guys in the nhl like mm. you know what i mean like though from those kind of things those things mm. they're pretty similar right like you know so if somebody's giving up bad goals because of bad technique they're just not going to get up there but it's just it's the high level to the elite we're finding that it's it's mostly based on IQ, just like with the players. Like, you know, like Sid and those guys just think the game at another level, right? Like, yeah. they're just like, oh, my God. How fast are they out there? <laughs> it's crazy. And it was funny. I was remarking to the goalies because we had three goalies out there, yeah. right? So they had a little bit of a break. They yeah. were getting, you know, but they, they the, the pro guys like Sid's group, they had like nine skaters out there. And the goalies, I mean, these guys are fit. Like Fitzy and Chase and Mason, these guys are in phenomenal shape. They work hard with their trainers all the time. They're in the gym all the time. They're on the ice all the time. They're incredibly fit. And they were dying, right? Just trying to keep up with these guys who are going rep after rep after rep after rep after rep. The intensity out there, it's funny. Like you have arguably three of maybe the top five players in the world, certainly three of the top 10. But you could make an argument for Marshawn to be in that argument for sure. You can make an argument for McKinn to be in that. Like, I mean, that last World Cup where Marshawn and Sid teamed up, that was just freaking oh. atrocious right? you ever see the video when they're mic'd no, up like incredible oh right? like, you amazing know, like the they're talking all the time incredible but then you have this talent level and then their work ethic matches it their intensity matches it and that's the you're like holy cow so if any kids out there think you're gonna get away with not having an extreme work ethic even if you're the most talented guy in the ice forget about it like if you want to, if you want to set yourself apart, and I don't care if you're the best guy in Pee Wee, if you want to set yourself apart, not just in your little association, whether you're in Halifax or East Hans or whatever, if you're talking, you want to be the best. That work ethic has to be just next, next level. What a great lesson from those guys to teach the community, because even though they might not, 
you know, be talking to the kids. Kids are on YouTube watching those videos and seeing how hard they're going. Yeah, that's the one good thing about Johnny Moore. Like he's and, and the way Sid and them practice too. Like you can see, they do a ton of battle stuff. Yeah, they do. So that yeah. like they do a ton of battle stuff because they know how important it is in games, and they love having their intensity up, yeah. and they love having to make decisions. And this is another thing about that mental aspect of goaltending and, and guys that can do it and guys that can't. Yeah, being able to be sharp mentally when you're dying physically. Yeah. Like, do you know, because when you're gas, then your decision-making goes down and you're yeah. just, your brain just so what Crosby and those guys know, and you can just tell is that they have to work on their decision-making and their playmaking at this high compete level at this high, like when their heart rates maxed, when they're really going is when your brain has really got to operate at its best yeah. or you're in big trouble. Right? I was talking to Logan Shaw at the Jordan Boyd tournament and, yeah, and I asked him a group. question. I was like, so how much fun is it to come out here and just kind of shoot the shit, have some fun? He goes, oh man, it's amazing just to come out here and kind of relax and chuck some sauce and, you know, have fun because when we're training, it's not fun. It's just so hard. We're always competing. Everything is just top, top speed. There's no rest. So just to be able to come out here and kind of have some fun, you have no idea how much I was looking forward to it. And it kind of caught me off guard for a sec. I was like, if I was on the ice with Crosby, I'd be having a fucking great time. But to this guy, he's like, no, it sucks. Like it, I'm getting better out there. It's a battle. It's work. But as a fan, like me looking on the outside in, you just think, hey, it's going to be a great time. But the way you're describing it now, it makes perfect sense that these guys aren't taking any time off, man. They're going, they're going hard. They, they're acting like they haven't played a game in the NHL before. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And you make a great point about about those guys kind of being an example for the young kids. And that's a, the big example that I that I think that the, the young guys can really, really learn is that holding each other accountable. Like Logan said, right? Like those guys wrote there competing against each other. They're holding each other accountable because of that. So that I'm going to go 110% of this drill. I'm going to make sure that everything. So you got to do the same. If you mm. half ass it and play soft D on me, you're not helping me get better. And those guys all know that. Right. Mm. And so they really do a good job of holding each other accountable out there. Yeah. There's a, there's like, there's a couple smiles in between drills, but for the most part, those, like it's a work day for sure. Right? I love so, it. Yeah, no, it is. It's really cool. Like, yeah, like you say, so the more and more kids kind of hear that and see that and understand it, yeah. it's huge because yeah, like that, that just compete level brings everybody up. Yeah. It just brings it and you need it. And I think that's why those guys started training together like that. Yeah. When you have the best guys in the world kind of train together and holding each other accountable. And again, it kind of goes back to our original point. We were talking about goaltending and about empire and our success same thing. Compete. I've got all these guys competing against each other that want to be the best. They're still like, you know, they're friendly in between, but they all want to be the best. Yeah. And they're working to, to up the levels all the time and just kind of raise everybody's game. And it's yeah. just, like I said, it's, it's awesome for everyone. Uh, is Phillips out there? Ethan Phillips? Um, I didn't see. He wasn't out. I've just been out to the one. One? So, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I don't know. He's he coming could, on tomorrow. He, and he, Yeah, so he he could be on the young side for those guys, too. Okay. So I don't know. Because, yeah, I'm not sure who, like, Batherson was out there, maybe. Yeah, I saw Batherson. I, I saw so, a guy with a bunch of red gear and thought it was Detroit, so I thought it was Ethan. Yeah, I think it was, but I think it was Gregor McLeod. Because uh, I think he's signed by Grand Rapids. Okay. So he played in Drummondville last year as a 20. Yeah. Heck of a player. Yeah. Like, just a great player. I remember watching... Just scouting, because again, I scouted a ton of the queue, just trying yeah. to realize how goals are scored and what the percentage chances are and, yeah. and what the high percentage plays are and stuff. And man, he was on the highlight reel all year. What a year he had. So it was kind of a no-brainer that he was going to go pro. Just yeah. a phenomenal player. So are you living here in Halifax? Yeah, I live so in Halifax. You're going to be working with Smew this year? Yeah, I work with Smew, yeah. So I started with them last year, which was a lot of fun. Like, you got the new Stiney rink this year? Nogs. Yeah, I got the new rink there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I love that level. And again, guys that still have a goal. Right, so yes. guys that still want to go play pro. It's the best hockey around here. Oh my god, it's phenomenal. It's like I play I that was the highest I ever went 
was university, um, but loved it. It was yeah. phenomenal. Like loved it. It was high, high level. It was, it was great. Um, but yeah, so that's it. And again, like I said, like these guys, um, like my guy, like Chase Marchand played at Riley Pickers now at Dal. These guys still want to play pro. So again, they still have that goal. So there's still a captive audience. They yeah. still want to win a CIS title. They want to win an AUS title. They have that little bit of goal, right? Yeah. So again, captive audience of elite talents. Because yeah. these guys have all played nowadays. Like when I played, you know, you had some tier two guys and things like that. But uh, nowadays, man, oh man, like you've got to be an elite, elite tier two player, or junior A player. Most of these guys have played three, four years of major junior. Some of these guys are coming off a pro stint. And then, you know, coming back and going to school. Like some of these guys have already been pros yeah. and now they're coming back and playing university hockey. The level is just incredible. Like it's the closest thing to pro you could you oh. could really get for sure. Just because of the age yeah. and strength and size of these guys. And like I said, all high IQs because they've all been coached by great coaches, all coming up through, like I said, junior, major junior systems, sometimes pro. Like these guys are unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I was watching a game last year down on the glass and there was like a hit right in front of me. I was like, man, this is... Oh, speed's ridiculous. The speed's insane. Insane. It's insane. Because like you said, like a major junior, your high-end guys are phenomenal, right? Like you have your Alexi Lafreniere. They're phenomenal, right? But you also have some 17, 18-year-old guys that probably aren't going to make it, like, you know, or mm. but in a university, the youngest guy's probably 21 years old. He's probably been working out for the last eight years in a gym. He's got his man muscle on, like fast hard shot like there's no oh, yeah. there's no easy shifts in a, in a university thing like there's no yeah. like you know what i mean like yeah. just every guy out there is an absolute beast, beast. so it's just yeah. the, the level's incredible right to your point the hitting the like it's just incredible i want to go a little off topic here so, uh, kind of the same topic uh of goalies there's been a lot of controversy of goalie gear mm -hmm. and the size of the nets in the nhl or not nhl just in general the sport of hockey what's your thought on that the gear and the nets yeah well I, I think i think they're at a pretty good place right now i think like it was funny like when they were talking about it i think it was like the goals the average goals per game or something was at, at like 4.8 or something like that which i think is pretty darn good yeah. that's in the 2-2 to 3-2 range and for me i think that's like one of the greatest hockey games you could have like three, two OT game would yeah. be pretty much a freaking awesome game. But that's the thing. Awesome like they're, they're trying to get like other fans to like it. So if they think if there's more goals, that more fans will come. That's what they think. Gary Bettman and those guys, that's what I'm thinking. At least yeah, if more yeah. goals are being scored, they're like, okay, well maybe we'll get more fans. Cause yeah. that's exciting. And that, and that's something you know? that really kind of confuses me because, and this is, the, this is the argument I always make. Right. So in, um, in the Bell Center, yeah. right? Like, you're talking about on home ice, right? Okay, so, man, I don't, I don't even follow Montreal that closely. Okay, so Domi and Drouin, right? So Domi goes in, slides it over to Drouin, top corner, okay? Bell Center. Erupts. Goes bananas, right? Puck drops, boom, boom, boom. Landeskog comes down, rips it over to McKinnon for a freaking one T. <laughs> Carey Price flies across, windmill glove stop. What happens? Crowd goes nuts. So this idea that we don't like saves, I don't even know where the hell, who the hell started that. Like you know, what I mean? like that's the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, it's like this idea that fans don't like saves. Like don't watch it. Like Carey yeah. Price makes an unreal stop in the Bell Center. 
carry, carry. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't want people to cheer for the goal. Like, we don't want anyone cheering for goalies. We yeah. just want us cheering for players. We want every game to be 20. Like, yeah. when did we stop liking saves? It's just, like, that's kind of the, the contradiction that I think a lot of people, when I say that about gear, they're like, that's a really good point. It is a good point. Because people love saves. Like, we love our goalies to make a great save. It brings the crowd to their feet. And I think we're at a, a great spot now for the gear, like I said, in terms of the speed of the game, because we're starting to experiment a lot. And guys will talk about these old school. Like, the, the old school guys are great. Like, believe me. Like, I love, like, the the guys that are commentating on, on Hockey Night Canada stuff. Like, they're great. A lot of good goalie a- analysts now have a good take on it. But a lot of those guys say, ah, you know, we didn't have big gear like this. I'm like, boys, like, come on. I'm like, Al McGinnis was taking a hundred mile slap shot, stepping in in an all-star game. Like the, the shots that you get, the shots you get in practice now, just snapshot, boom. Like these guys, like continuous beating on your body. We cannot be shrinking this gear on goalies. The puck is moving too fast. The technology of the sticks, we take way too the guys take way too much abuse you cannot keep shrinking the pants and the goalie gear the upper body down and down and down to where it's all like you like you guys be getting killed like mm. it's, it's it's a whole mask argument like could you imagine like if people who still make that argument like don't even we can't even have a conversation yeah, you brought it up because you're, <laughs> you're an idiot right you know what i mean oh back in my day Gary sawtruck didn't even wear a mask if goalies didn't wear masks you'd have on average, I'm going to say 3,000 deaths a day. Yeah. Okay. Peewee goalies would be dying every day. <laughs> Children dead on hockey rinks everywhere. Well, you got to do it. Glenn Hall did it. Like, boys, like, don't even start to me about who could shoot pucks hard. It's not even, it's not even the same thing. So, I know. So, yeah, just the beating that these guys take in practice and stuff. Like, because like I said, every shot can be high. Yeah. They can all rip it high on a one, and it just rips off of these sticks. These big freaking 200 pound dudes using like 70 flex and it's just freaking, oh, it's, it's snapping off there and coming up into the collarbones and in a man oh man so I think we're at a good spot like I said I think I think the the um, the average goals per game is somewhere between 4.5 and 5 which yeah. like I said is like a 3-2 game or a 2-2 like that's the game you want and I mean we're still getting high scoring games all the time I find I find there's a lot more 7-2 yeah. games here and there and everywhere and like those are happening at a, because like I said the players are so freaking nasty yeah. the players are fucking sick like I talk about the, the goalies all the time how, how we gotta work on our patience and our skating just to be able to keep up with these guys yeah cause man well, like I said when I played guys were we weren't really doing lifty until I was a major Bantam. And now, man, I'll go to a friggin' Adam A practice and six kids are going bar down. No way. It's insane. Adam, they're going bar oh, down. Oh, my God, these light sticks, and they've been on the ice for six years, and no they're out with way. great coaches all the time. Like, they're doing, man, these shooters are unreal. Dude, I didn't start aiming the puck till I was in Bantam. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I- one of the things that's funny, like, because, like, you've probably seen now that we've gone to the cross ice, like, at the at the lower level, mm-hmm. like, with the novice, mm-hmm. which I think is really kind of cool. Tightens it up. It tightens it up a little bit and things like that. And one of the things I like it for is, like, the new nets are, are pretty small. But, like, my big thing is I, I still, like, the big thing is the top part of the net because the guys can hit it. Mm. I wish those mini nets were a little bit wider. 
because I think it promotes a little more skating with the guys. Mm -hmm. But that's the big thing. Like the smaller goalies, like the NHL guys don't need bigger nets. They really don't. Like mm -hmm. I said, the game is good right now and the gear certainly doesn't need to be smaller. But for the younger goalies, I think it is good having that crossbar down a little bit because like I said, these little kids, man, I'm telling you, they can fire it. And I've seen some younger goalies and of course parents too. Yeah. Not because they want their kid to be an NHL goalie, but because no one wants to see their kid in there for 16 goals. And some of these, like I said, some of these seven-year-old players are freaking nasty no way you want to see some Seven. of the moves they can do dude and the little goalies moving around in the gear just can't match that and when they're on the big kind of like nhl net or whatever it gets pretty ugly yeah. and so that's got a thing kind of getting goalies discouraged on it yeah. but it, it is kind of nice to have the the smaller net so the young goalies can be confident hey man i can make a glove save yeah. too because some of those little goalies if they're on a standard net they they can not really make a glove save because yeah. they just don't have the physical ability to yeah. move it and the, the players they're going against can absolutely rip it absolutely i can't i gotta it. see this for myself oh my god it's crazy you gotta see it like some of these high level kids that are just playing novice and coming into adam i can't get over it. like they scoop it up and do the lacrosse stuff and i'm like what? that's the youtube era for you 100 oh, all that yeah, is the, the social media area oh, yeah because yeah. there's guys that have like there's some of these skill coaches that have videos online like at their instagram page and, the, and it's all over the place and kids oh, yeah. just watch it and man, oh man, you see some of the stuff they can do. It's oh, yeah. really, really cool. But again, it kind of, and again, it goes back to if we can just kind of circle back to all of it, like with the mental thing and and the difference between players and goalies and and how hard it is. Like I'll have the the, the thing all the time. Like it's a little kid, right? It's a little ten year old kid or it's an eleven year old kid, and the coach would be like, "Oh, Brad, <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, man, he's oh he's getting beat on that glove, right? He's getting he's getting beaten on the glove, eh?" I'm like, "Yeah." And the guy's just looking at me, right? Just silence. Yeah, you know, he's getting beat on that glove. The guys are just beating him high, right? I'm like, yeah, he's, you know, his hands are pretty bad, right? And so the guy's looking at me like, you know, what are you doing here, basically? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So then I'll let the practice go on. Yeah. And I'll see a kid struggling. Player. Yeah. And I'll be like, hey, man, this guy over here, this guy, what's his name? Oh, you know, that's Robbie or whatever. I'm like, dude, man, how, like... How many goals this guy got? This guy got 50 goals? This guy? No, man. He's, oh, no. He's, he's a bad hands. I'm like, oh, yeah. I said, so it's okay for the player to have the bad hands, but not the, the goalie. goalie. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the expectation level on the goalies, especially with introduction to guys like me, like with coaches and stuff like that. It's like, okay, Brad, you know, he's really having a hard time with his glove. I'll give you the first seven minutes of practice. Good. Is he Matt Welsh yet? Is he, is he, <laughs> do you got him? Are you good? Because yeah, so it's funny. I put a thing out on my social media a little while ago. Got a lot of traction. I, I think got, I posted it. I got a lot of responses on it. Yeah. No, just from like this thing. Okay. Like from the, um, I said the uh, goalie giving up a goal, a minor hockey goalie that they should have had, is probably the mental physical equivalent of a player going offside. Wow. Right? Like, so, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like say that. It's a or, mental lapse. Exactly. Or missing a 10-foot pass. Mm -hmm. How many times does an Adam AA kid miss a 10-foot pass? I go to a ton of games. I'd it probably happens 15, six, yeah. 20 times a game. Like, between both teams, yeah. every pass is not tape to tape and no. all this kind of stuff and perfect, right? So for those expectations on the like minor hockey goalies are going to give up bad goals all the time. They're going to struggle all the time. They're kids. They're going to make mistakes. But like I said, like, man, oh, man, like kid gives up a five. Oh, like just makes a mistake. Like makes a mistake. Like, man, yeah, I made a mistake. 
player makes a mistake, man, oh man, they get you get away. With it. And of course they should. Like, of course they should make a mistake. Like, and of course they should get away with it. But that expectation level is incredible. And it's one of the biggest things on goalies, right? Because there's always something you could have said that would have helped you stop that puck. Like, do you know what I mean? Maybe you could have read the play better, held your edges a little bit longer. Mm. So we always feel that little bit of responsibility mm. when a goal goes in, even if it's a great play. Mm. Man, maybe I could have saw that. Maybe I could have pushed a little harder. Mm. And so those mistakes are the, the things that goalies really have to like kind of deal with and learn to get over and mm -hmm. learn to kind of say, you know what? It's a process. I'm still going to get more shots this game. I'm still going to be out. I'm still going to play the next game and be able to bounce back from that yeah. is absolutely huge because the expectations on them are, are really kind of unrealistic. And especially the minor hockey goalies where they are playing on NHL size, that's like Pee Wee yeah. AAA goalies play on the same net as Roberto Luongo uses. Well, not anymore. He's retired now. But Carey Price or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, those guys, you know, they have to kind of learn that. But there's going to be goals to go in. Well, man, if you're saying that Adam players are being able to aim a puck, Pee Wee, I can't even imagine what they're able to do. And if yeah. the nets are that big and the guys are still that small, yeah, still I'm that assuming small. those games are like 7-3, seven, 7-5, seven, yeah. whatever, every game. No, I mean, thankfully they're not because the teams are really well coached and the goalies are really good. <laughs> Evens out. But that's and that's the thing. But sometimes bad like goals go in. Yeah. Just the expectation level is there. Like yeah. the mistakes that, that goalies make are just magnified so, so much. And that's at kind of every level. Yeah. But at the at the top levels, those guys have ironed enough things out that they should, you know, yeah. the mistakes should be at a minimum. Like we really, I don't like seeing NHL guys give up bad goals. They really shouldn't give up bad goals. But minor hockey goalies, certainly, yeah. right? Like certainly they, they're going to give up bad goals for sure. How much how much time do you have? It's oh, 2 o'clock. You're good? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah. Do, are you, do you think you're able – I think uh, it's more common in the queue when, uh, you know, a goalie comes in for intermission, the goalie coach will come down and be like, hey, let's talk for a sec. If a goalie's having a bad game, it's really frustrated. You said you were up in Shearbrook. Do you think that you're able to determine whether or not to go into the room and talk to Fitzpatrick, for example, knowing that maybe he's a little bit frustrated so you're going to leave him alone? Or are you going to take that step into the room and say, hey, listen, Fitzy, come out here. I want to talk to you. Are you able to find that line and know whether or not – to cross it or to stay away from it. Yeah, you know for sure. Yeah, and I and I think that's just trial and error. I think it's trial and error and kind of just talking to your goalies too. Just knowing the goalies. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I mean, that can be a conversation that uh, that you have. And yeah. again, it's always kind of like it's not a problem until it's not working. Like, do you know what I mean? What do you like, mean? I don't understand. So, so, um, like again, like so for me, even like there's a there's. A, just in teaching goalies and training goalies how to be better goalies, mm. there's a few things that are kind of hard and fast rules, right? Like I have like say seven kind of principles or something. Yeah. And I don't know if it is that or not. <laughs> but I'm just saying like there's certain things that I like goalies to do and say, okay, when the puck's in this area or this kind of shot, you should really be thinking about this. Now, how exactly you do that I'm okay with. Yeah. Like again, like we don't want goalies to be robots. They should all like you look at NHL goalies. There's no two the same. They all play kind of different differently. They hold their stance a little bit different, yeah. like except for the video I did with Welsh and Gooby. Yeah, that was <laughs> that, that was weird. That one is a little eerie, and that I think I odd. said that. I said that was crazy because their body position, and everything's kind of like the same, which is really crazy. the weird thing about it is that they both played for the Max. They both played. I think they played minor, the same organization, yes, minor hockey, yeah, and now they're yeah. and it was weird. Yeah, yeah, they, that's yeah. what's weird about it. <laughs> they kind of, they're the same like height. Yeah, yeah. like the, it's just really funny. But like for the, for the most, so again, like. It's it's not gonna be because um, some like I said it's it's not gonna be a problem until it stops working. So if I'm 
if I'm a guy that say, if a goalie tells me, you know what, I don't like to talk in between periods. Has a goalie said that to yeah. you before? Oh, for sure. Because yeah. I'll ask them. Okay. I'll say, kind of what's your opinion on that? Do you want me coming down in between periods? Do you want me to show you some video in between periods? Now, you can't do that in minor hockey, but I'm saying at the major junior yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to see your goals in between periods? Some guys might say, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bring them down, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say I had a goalie do that. Let's say I had a goalie say, yeah, yeah, I want to see it. Okay. Right? So I'm like, okay. So I bring him down. Here was this goal. I go, yeah, okay, Brad, I got you. Right? I go back up into the booth. We go in to start the second. We let in four goals. So I'm like, hmm, okay. So then we do that the next game. Come down. Here you go. Boom. Here you go. Boom, boom, boom. I go back up. Third goal or first shot goal or something like that. Then I'm like, okay. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be down here showing you goals against and then having you go back out. Do you know what I mean? So a goalie may say something works for them or something like that. And I, uh, my first instinct is always to take their word for it. Like, do you want me to come down and coach you in between periods? If you give up a goal, do you want me to come down and tell you why it went in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like doing that. So if I do that, Boomy goes out, plays great. I like everything he's doing. I'm like, good, we'll stay with that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a problem until it stops working. So yeah. if a goalie tells me one thing, if he says, no, man, I just want to be by myself, but for whatever reason, he's freaking god-awful in the first shift of, say, the second period, the third period, or even the first period, I say, listen, man, maybe we should do something in between periods to kind of get your mind right. You're not starting the periods the way we want you to start them. It's not working. Yeah. So maybe let's look at something else. So yeah. do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of a trial and error working with the goalie, seeing what they like, what their preferences are. But their preferences may be frigging out the lunch. They may just like want to do something because they saw Braden Holpe do it or something. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well, this is what he does. So I'm going to do it. Oh, mm. I do this because, you know, well. And then I come out like, that doesn't really seem to be working for you, dude. Maybe yeah. we should look at something else. So that's how we kind of do it. Like we kind of address a problem yeah. rather than try to fix something that's going good. I'm not going to mention names, but I've seen it before in the past where I've seen goalie coaches come down and goalies just kind of brush off the guy like, no, not right now, like in front of the team. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, geez, that's kind of an awkward thing right there. And I've seen it before. So that's why I wanted to bring it up and just see if there was anything that ever happened. But that's that's good to know. Yeah, you just no, ask. Sure. It's, it's a simple answer. You just ask. You, uh, do you want me to be you here? You can just ask exactly right. Yeah. And that could be a guy who 99 times out of 100 wants you to be there. Yeah. But that one time, he's just friggin' pissed off yeah. and just says, get the hell out of here. And then that's something where you're just like, yep. Because you never want to confront them kind of in game or in the moment. Yeah. So that would be something, go back up and then come down and say, dude, listen, we're just doing our protocol. I didn't like you telling me to fuck off or get the fuck out of the yeah. way. Let's make sure that we're, I said, I don't mind. Like if you wanted to change, say, no, Brad, like, you know, I think I'm just good. Yeah. You can do that. So it just kind of depends the way the goalie would do it or okay, something like okay. that. We may have to have a talk. Yeah. But in terms of them switching it up or saying, yeah, I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. If I went back up and it worked for them, I say, hey, okay, maybe we're onto something here. And then, then maybe we start talking about that. So it's always kind of a process, I think. Okay, cool. And I think you'll find that even when guys, like even when they get traded in the NHL or in the queue or, or things like that, they may have done something with the one goalie coach, but maybe it's not working with this other guy. Maybe they just don't have a great dynamic talking about video yeah. or talking about the mental game. Maybe they just don't have, they're not on the same page vocabulary wise. Mm. You say, man, you know what? I used to do this, but I don't think I want to do it. And it, nothing against you personally, mm. but it's just the the vibe just isn't right. Okay. So rather than kind of force something, you'd rather kind of go by feel. You want goalies to be comfortable, man. You need your goalies to be comfortable, confident, that's how you want them. You don't want them overthinking shit or anything like that because then, like I said, to your point, the mental game really comes in on goalies. Like the mental game is so, so huge. So you don't want to kind of make any waves there. So anything like that, you kind of hand, 
after the situation, yeah. after the game, before the next practice, during practice, like that cool. game thing, you don't want a lot of waves. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, my last question here is, you know, when I did, I was doing my research on you yesterday, a little bit today, and you got high praise from the people I was talking to. And, you know, everyone has gifts in this world. I like to think I'm a great conversationalist. Some people are good at accounting. Some people are good at hockey. What do you think your gift is? Why, why do you think you're in the position that you are in right now? Like, what, what do you bring to the table? And, and why are you flourishing in this industry, you think? Well, I, th- I think, you know, much like you're doing a great job at this. I think just communication is yeah? is a big part of, of, of what I do. And that may come from being a teacher um, where I really got into it. Started coaching kind of early, just working at goalie camps and things like that. But then when I got into, into teaching and really kind of excelled at that as well, I just found that I was very comfortable in front of a classroom and did well talking to um, talking to people, being able to explain things clearly and simply, yeah. not overcomplicating it, but just being able to, to give information, you know, clearly and concisely in ways that people could understand. Yeah. And then just like to my, to my earlier point, I kind of touched on it, touched on it for whatever reason, I just have a good, um, a good sense of it. And I think that's a lot of thing. Like when you're talking about hockey or coaching or, or feel is that what to emphasize, you know, like my, a lot of, a lot of my day is spent, especially during the season, um, watching hockey, like watching games. Right. So when I go to, um, a peewee game, or when I go to a Bantam game or whatever, and then I go to the peewee goalies that are trying out for Bantam, I'm like, listen, these are the situations that happen at Major Bantam, all right? And these are the ways to best defend those situations. Because like I said, a lot of the time, guys will go on as coaches and they'll, or they'll go to a, a goalie coach symposium or something like yeah. that where the best minds are together. <laughs> and, you know, and that's great. Like, that's cool. You can go network and meet some people and stuff like that. But again you get guys that do that stuff and they go there and they, Oh yeah, well this is what, you know, Mitch Korn was saying and all this kind of stuff. And they try to bring that back to their peewee triple a goalie. And it's just not maybe the right time for that yet. Okay. Or maybe they need a little more experience practicing that, or they don't really have a grasp of it yet to kind of introduce it to that goalie. Mm. So then all that time becomes kind of wasted. And so it's like, oh, yeah, man, we were doing these drills that they do with the pro camps, but the goalie didn't get any better because it wasn't the stuff he should have been doing or she should have been doing. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of having that sense of the game. And and the funny thing, and I think it's why a lot of the goalies kind of end up as analysts, like guys like Kevin Weeks, Darren Pag, Kelly Rudy. There's so many ex-goalies in hockey analysis you can right? see the on, game on panels yeah like a catcher kinda, in baseball you exactly, see the whole yeah thing. you kind of see the whole game in the way it is and i think the best goalie coaches have kind of even a heightened sense of that of like how plays develop and why they develop and when they develop and where they develop and things like that so because like i said you'll have guys that are working with all these major band and major junior but not really developing guys not really because like i said like when you look at you know, there's really no reason because I've talked to a lot of these other goalie coaches in our region and things like that. And I, I like what they have to say. And I'm kind of like, man, it's it's just kind of funny that it seems like that our guys and girls are really getting up there. And, and the other guys just haven't caught up there kind of yet. Like, yeah. it's kind of it, it really seems funny. Like, you know, they're, yeah. so I, I feel it's just kind of what we or what I identify in terms of gameplay at those levels, like especially major junior, major midget, major Bantam, the peewee triple A. That's where we really kind of, like I said, like, and that's kind of my goal. Cause once I get these guys or help these guys, I should say, get them into that major junior kind of level. Now they get that 
that thing gets fractured. There's all kinds of people in it. So, but I've got them, we've got them in front of NHL scouts right now. So they've got the opportunity to kind of do their thing and get noticed. So that's kind of our goal, like from minor to major, like we're going to teach you the things that can get you from minor hockey up into this level. And then from there, yeah, come back and see us, talk to us. We'll help you and keep track of you and all that. But you're going to start getting a ton of input once you get up into that level and you're going to have to dissect what you really like and what really works best for you at that level and that kind of thing. But I think it's just knowing that. And I think that's true at every level, right? It's guys like, like why guys like Steiny are so good at that level. Like now he's been there for so long and peds in, 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 um, in X and Gardner and UNB, those guys have been in those spots and they've built these great programs. So obviously, yes, the recruiting is there, but they know the game at that level, man. Mm. They know that game, like that level. So they really get the guys that they recruit in there to their max performance at that level because they know it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like they've seen it. They know exactly what's really important. And so, and maybe what's not as important. And I think that's what I do. I think that's, that's what we've really been able to do with our goalies is identify for those kids when they're at these certain levels and what levels they're trying to make are the key things they need to work on. Right. May not necessarily be what an NHL goalie is doing at that point or what an NHL goalie coach says is the most important thing ever because they don't really need to be doing that yet. Or maybe just that goalie coach doesn't have a grasp of what that really is and is probably just talking out of their ass or not really explaining it properly. So, again, that's just kind of wasted time. So I think that's the big, big part of success is kind of knowing where you are, knowing the material, just like when I was a teacher. Yeah, pretty tough to go and friggin' teach fucking Shakespeare <laughs> if you've never read Hamlet. Yeah. Like fucking good friggin' luck, man. Like, well, no, this guy says I should teach Shakespeare, so here you go. Yeah, but you don't really friggin' know, know it, anything. So. Yeah, exactly. So it's gonna be tough that way for sure. Hey, well, Brad, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Hour fifteen minutes flew by. Dude, I tell you what, man. Like this is so much fun. Like I said, I was listening to a few podcasts coming out. Like obviously listening to Welshies and stuff. I said I was listening to Bowers and, and Fitzy and Steiny there, Matt Steinberg and Luke Hedman, one of my favorite Q players. Great guy. I loved his one the other day. I thought that was really really good. It was one of the ones I listened to recently after we talked about Carolina and stuff. Yeah. But uh, like I said, this is just this is awesome, and I love what you're doing, man. Like one of my favorite things in the world is. Is to go like I watch every friggin' Q game I can on TV, the East Link, and yeah. I watch every major midget East Link game. When they do the broadcasts of the um, the provincials, like Bell Alliance does a great job with that, and the Picto Petter Sports guy, that guy's doing all those provincial yeah. things now. Man, the fact that you're bringing these local guys in and you're promoting these guys and you're showing this pride in these guys, these guys that have put in this time and are showing that like Halifax and local sports and all that kind of stuff. These, these local athletes and entertainers too. You've had yeah. Quake Matthews in here and classified and these guys like, man, I dig that. Like I love, like, that's why I love being back here and working with the guys. I love working with kids from Nova Scotia. Like I just, I'd love to see how everybody's doing. I love it. And so the fact that you did this and my boys and the Anthony brothers, right. They turned me on to you guys, right? So, oh man, you got to listen to this high. I was talking podcast. to Ants last day, uh, to like what two a, days ago, like up in Cape, Cape Breton. Breton screaming, it was oh like my beauty! God. One you, of my favorite people in the world, dude. Right? I was talking to him for probably thirty yeah. minutes. The whole time, he had a smile on his head. He's like, "Hey, man, did you see my office? I'm talking to the NHL scout right now. <laughs> I got to go back later. I got to go fit my skates. Oh my god, man! You should. He is just." 
he is so excited, man. Yes. I, I, the, the energy around that guy is just yes. through the and roof. See, and that's what I mean. And the fact that you're excited for him <laughs> and you're putting that out in the public that you're excited for him. And so more people are going to be watching the screaming needle say, man, how's ants doing? How are they doing? Yes. I freaking love that shit. So the fact that you're doing this and you asked me to come on, I was so excited like to talk about local goalies and local hockey and just hockey in general. Just come and shoot the shit. Dude, man, like this is unreal. Like I'll be back anytime you freaking want. You want to talk about the next prospects for the Q draft? I'll be here for sure. Hey, let's do it. We'll do like a next year. We'll do like a Q pre scout thing because I honestly that's one thing I'm not good at is knowing the next up and comers. But generation. it seems like you are. So. Oh, dude, yeah, perfect yeah, for sure, hundred percent. All right, Brad, thanks once again, man. You are the man. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Justin. Everyone listening, make sure to go to all of our social media outlets. Like, subscribe, comment, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, Twitter, SoundCloud. I think I mentioned them all. We are out, guys. Peace. Fierce of fun inside of sunlight, sunlight.